this is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. A blank page or a blank screen might as well be a ghost. It jumps out at you and it is terrifying, especially when you're starting to write a book. How do you begin? How will you fill the page? Do you have what it takes to create chapter after chapter? The fear underlying those questions is compounded when writing hasn't been a discipline in your life. How do you go from no writing to writing regularly enough to complete a book? Dave and I want to help you think through ways to start writing so you can begin to fill that blank screen with words. Writing, especially book writing, is a journey, and we have a few places for you to start. But first, let's talk about our progress. Dave, you are on. Where have you made progress this week? So I I developed a bad habit with COVID, like I'm sure many people did, at least I hope so, because that makes me feel better. (laughs) Uh, I have never been much of a TV watcher. I had four siblings. So there are five kids growing up in our family. We grew up in North and South Dakota. My parents were against having a TV. One part religious, they just felt like it was too much garbage on. But the other part was my mom was a a music education and performance uh, teacher. And so she, even though she worked for my father through the years, her degree was actually in music. And so my brother was a cello performance major in college. He's now a pre-med, he's now a doctor at Mayo Clinic, but he was a cello performance major. My, one of my sisters is a violin performance major. The other one who's a twin with her also was a violin player. Then my older sister sister is a, you know, sang and could play the piano and I, I play guitar. So my, my parents were really big into practicing and doing something other than TV. So growing up, so I just have never had that default sit down, watch TV, but during COVID it's amazing. I got into this bad habit. So I'm developing this tiny habit of maybe watching only one episode in the evening as opposed to two, and then getting up and either going to bed early or reading or listening to a podcast or something different than simply uh, sitting in front of, of, of TV. And I have to I have to say, it always makes me, it's so hard to do, but when I do it, I just feel so much better about myself. I don't know one person that didn't develop a bad habit during COVID. <laughs> I, I developed the habit of eating too much molten chocolate cake and uh, thankfully that is behind us, but yeah, you know, molten binging, chocolate cake. Yeah. Jerry makes it and it's amazing. And he was making it like every other night and it was not good for my, <laughs> my, my figure. But the thing about about shows now on Netflix, they're so good at creating bingey moments. So you want to keep on watching, right? They always raise the tension again at the end, like we talk about in good storytelling. So you want to dive into the next episode. They've mastered it. They really have mastered it. And and if you're a, if you're a writer, you should just take note of at the end of every episode, what are they doing to get you to click on and or not not click on, just let it roll and watch the next episode? They're they're basically introducing new new tension, and that's just a great technique for writing. But you're absolutely right. So, what about you? Where have you made progress? First, can I ask you one more question? Sure. What's the best show that you watched? 
during COVID up until now? <laughs> well, I, I was binging on Bosch, you know, the oh, yeah. Amazon, uh, yeah. detective series. So I just love Bosch. So I was able to watch season six, I think in season seven, it's now complete. I binged those within a couple days. And I've also enjoyed Yellowstone, which is that uh, series that's set in Paradise Valley in Livingston, Montana, where I fish all the time. It's with Kevin Costner. That's a great one. I'm in season three. I haven't binged it. I typically watch only one of those, but there was also a couple others that I'm trying to remember. Actually, off the top of my head, I can't remember the names of them. I can describe them to you. But yeah, there was about two or three that were really good. We watched all you know, two or three seasons and now we're waiting for the next season or else it was the last one and we're like depressed, you know, like there's yeah. no additional one. What about you? Which ones did you like? Well, I had never watched Game of Thrones. So we watched Thrones and we watched The Last Kingdom, which kind of has a Game of thrones feel. My son loves Better Call Saul. So we watched all of Better Call Saul. We watched Breaking Bad because I'd never watched Breaking Bad. So <laughs> we did a lot of binging last year. And we just recently started this show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. And it's it's like a film noir version of superheroes. It's super dark and it makes the superheroes the villains. It's really an interesting take and it's really dark. It's a little bit crass and vulgar, but um, has some really great statements about power unchecked and politics and just consumerism. So anyway, it's a it's a good show. We are enjoying that. We're almost done with that season. Sounds two. like a perfect uh, a perfect show for these times, right? Yes, it's very Power dark. unchecked. Yeah, absolutely. I think right. that's why it's so popular. All right, where I've made progress. So most people know that listen to this podcast that I'm from New Mexico, or maybe you don't. Maybe you just started listening, you didn't know that. And New Mexico is the Chile capital of the world, the green Chile capital of the world. We grew up about... I guess, I don't know, 40 miles south of Hatch, which is where most of the green chili comes from. And every late summer around August, September is the harvesting season. And people in New Mexico, they get green chili, they roast it, and they bag it, and then they freeze it so that they have green chili all year long to make that delicious New Mexican food, like enchiladas and chili rellenos and whatever. I mean, people put green chili in everything in New Mexico. And so when we moved to Chicago, we... We still wanted green chili, but we didn't have a roaster here. In New Mexico, they have these roasters at all the grocery stores or wherever you pick up your chili. And some people have their own. We had friends who had their own. So Jerry, who's pretty mechanical, created his own green chili roaster with That's some awesome. engineering pals. And so every year we have a green chili roasting party and we invite all of our friends. Dave, I know that you went once and we make a ton of New Mexican food enchiladas and chilorinos and queso and enchilada soup and pozole and salsa. I mean, it just goes on and on and I hate cooking. So for the past 23 years, we've been doing this and I would say out of those 23 years, 21 years, I am the grumpiest, most horrible person to be around the week of the chili roast. <laughs> Because I'm just looking at, oh, I have to be in the kitchen. I have to cook and I hate this and I have to have people over and I'm a pretty private person. So it's never a fun week. But this year I was easy breezy. I didn't even like, I, I didn't even realize it was the week of the chili roast and it kind of came. I'm like, oh, we just got to cook some food. And it felt like I was on kind of autopilot and it was great. So progress is I wasn't grumpy. I didn't overthink it. And we had a really great time. So, and because of COVID, it was a little bit smaller. We had fewer people and 
So anyway, why do you that's think progress. that is? Why do you think you were cal- more calm? I think it's because Jerry helped out with the cooking more because he is home working because of COVID, his working situation has changed and stayed the same, unfortunately. So he has done a lot of cooking in the past year and has perfected his basole recipe and salsa. So he did a couple of things that I really, really hate doing. Um, and he helped with the chili reno casserole. So it didn't feel like all of the burden of cooking was on me. So that helped. And he is such a planner that he's like, we need to freeze these casseroles earlier in the week. So we don't have to do as much at the end of the week. And I'm a procrastinator. So I would always put off until Saturday and that would be a huge amount of work. So I think that's part of it. We didn't procrastinate. I had some help and it was smaller. So fewer people, which meant it just didn't feel as intimidating. (laughs) All right. One last question. So when am I getting my queso? I know I meant to bring it in on Wednesday. I was going to bring it in on Tuesday and then I didn't end up coming into the office. So I will bring some next week. I will bring you your queso. I will just say that the food is unbelievable. The queso is to die for. It's nothing like you've tasted ever before. Certainly nothing from any other uh, restaurant. It's just fabulous. So Mexican green chili, New Mexican green chili is the best. It really adds such a unique flavor to food and it's really addictive and I, yeah, I love it. So, all right, Dave, now that we've shared our progress, let's help our writers and our listeners make progress on their writing, especially writers who are wanting to write a book and just don't know where to start. We have a few tips here today that we want to share. We hope they're helpful. So let's just dive in. What is our first tip, Dave, for for people who are wondering, where do I start? How do I start writing? This feels really overwhelming, really scary. So the first is give yourself permission not to be perfect and just write something. Now, this is a mindset shift, right? The mindset shift is you move from thinking, I can't do this. It won't be good. I'm an imposter. I have no business doing this to the mindset of, Yes, it may be that, but something inside me is compelling me to write that I have to just lay down a sentence. And this is a a shift. You kind of get out of your head about how bad you feel about yourself and all the imposter issues and it's going to suck and all that stuff. And And you actually move from your head to actually physically starting to do something and write it on the screen, or if you're going to write it, you know, if you do it handwritten, some people actually still write um, on, you know, big yellow pads, but whatever, whatever it is, it's a mindset shift. And at some point to start writing, you'll have to break through that and, and move. And years ago, I went to some seminar and it was a motivational speaker. And he had said something to the effect, I can, I will, I believe it's like a little mantra that you tell yourself. And so I took that home to my family. To this day, our kids mock me for that. (laughs) So whenever they would play sports or school, I'd say, okay, I can, I will, I believe. Say it with me. Say it with me. I can, I will, I believe. Now they mock me, but I'm telling you that there is a shift that has to take place in your in your in your mind before you can start writing. And so that's tip number one is and, and related to that is is give yourself permission not to be perfect. And I think that's where the mind shift starts to to really move. I can so identify with this simply because of that imposter syndrome. I just have never completely viewed, I shouldn't say that, 
in the past, I really struggled with viewing myself as a writer. And part of that was I'm not as good as such and such. And I don't have as much experience as so-and-so. And so you do start to play that comparison game, which is so debilitating. And so I, I do think if you can just let go of that and realize that you're not performing for anyone and don't think of your of it as something that you even have to share with anybody, but just start writing so you can find that that rhythm, that's been so helpful for me. So it is that mindset shift that you've got to get over. And the more that you do, the more you start to believe, like you say in your mantra, that you can do it. So it's in the action that you start believing. That's right. In the action, you start believing. In the doing, you start to believe in the mindset starts to shift. Okay, so that's point number one. What is point number two, Melissa? It seems so simple. And it's to start small. And I love the story from one of our road trippers who is a novice writer wants to write more, maybe will want to even write a book someday, but she can't even get herself to write daily, regularly, weekly. I think she read somewhere that, you know, if you write just 50 words a day, over the course of a year, 365 days, that's over 18,000 words. And if you write 100 words a day, if you double that 50, then you're writing about 36,000 words in one year. And that's almost a book. So if you can break it down into smaller pieces and not say, I've got to go write 1,000 words today, just write 50 words and you're going to make progress. And often what that happens is that 50 words leads to 100, 150, 200. You just don't know. But if you can just give yourself permission to do really small chunks of writing, you're going to make progress. And, you know, that's how I really started to lean into writing myself and to really find my voice as a writer. I've told the story so many times on here, but I think there's such great value in the principle. And that is I started writing every single day on my Instagram platform. And I'd write about 50 words, 100 words, 150 words per post. And I did that so regularly that I started to learn how to tell stories better. I started to hear my voice and how I how I like saying things. I started to figure out what connected with readers, how to raise tension. So all those things that we talk about, great writing, what great writing is, I started to learn by doing really small bits of writing. That is such great advice. And especially if you're thinking about that someday you may want to write a book, start out with something really, really small, like maybe just improve your Facebook posts or improve your Instagram posts, posts, maybe just write longer when you do an Instagram post. That is, that is exactly how you learn to write. You learn to do it in small chunks. And and at the end of the day, you can't become a writer without writing. When I was in graduate school, I remember telling a professor that I wanted to be a writer someday. And he looked over his coffee, kind of over his glasses, not a, not judgmental, but kind of just, hey, he said, Dave, if you want to write, you have to write. Writers write. (laughs) And it was so simple. And it was so profound at the same time. And I thought, ooh, he's right. And and that really motivated me to start writing. So I would just encourage you, you're right, absolutely. You have to start small. And it might be as simple as lengthening your Instagram posts and, and maybe crafting it before you post it. Or meaning just spend a little extra time. Maybe instead of 10 words, do 30 words or 50 words. Just a great way to, to begin the process. I, I hope some of you try that and let us know how that works out for you. All right, what's our third tip, Dave? I'll volley it back to you. The third is to write about what you're interested, not about what you think you need to write. And 
This is such an important point. You have to write from a place of passion. And if you're not writing something you're interested in, you simply won't be able to sustain the desire and then actually even begin to write. And so for me, I have a fly fishing podcast called Two Guys in a River. And for about four years, we published one episode a week, and then we published one article a week as well. And it was a little bit of a grind, but there were two of us. So we alternated on the writing uh, my partner, Steve, did most of the writing, but I can't tell you how much I enjoyed when I would do a piece on uh, fly rods or do a piece on uh, how not to drown while you're <laughs> while you're fly fishing. And so write about something that you love, write about something that you know, write about something that you don't have to do a lot of research on. Just start writing. It's just a great way to begin to write. I would say this. I was thinking about this tip as we were preparing. And I think there are a lot of people who are told you should write a book in relation to their business, but they don't really feel passionate about it. And they're doing it just because they think they ought to do it to support um, their business. And so I think that is one indicator that maybe you're writing the wrong book and that's why you're having difficulty writing is maybe you're just not passionate about the subject and maybe you shouldn't be writing that business book. Maybe you should be writing something completely different. But I think that there are all these ideas out there that you have to have a book to support your business. And sometimes those books are really terrible and you can't get energy around it because you just don't, frankly, care that much about the topic. I know that like you, Dave, when I write about like vintage, either for the magazine that I write for or on my Instagram post, or even I've related it to some marketing pieces that I've written for CZ Strategy. I, I always enjoy it because it's something that I know so well and I have a lot of ideas about. I have wisdom around it. I have stories that I can tell in relation to it. And that always makes for great material for writing. And I think the more stories you have, the more emotion you have, the, the more energy you're going to find around the topic and the more you'll have to write about. I love this insight. If you have a desire to write, but you're struggling with the motivation to start writing, maybe it's because what you think that you ought to write is not the right topic. I think it's an important thing to really think about and ask yourself, absolutely. So is this the right topic? Is this really what I want to devote a year of my time to, right? I mean, you're going to be with that book for a long time. So yeah, grapple with that question. All right, next tip, develop a weekly habit or a daily habit that's a set time. And so you'll hear this advice a lot in writing circles. You know, you got to pencil it in, you got to make the time. And, and this mode isn't for everyone, different ways that you can do it. We have one road tripper who sets aside Friday mornings, I think it's from like eight to noon, a big chunk of time. And he is disciplined about showing up to that writing time. And he does it every single Friday. Some people do it, you you know, in the mornings before the busyness of the day takes over. Um, some people, another person we interviewed on this podcast, actually, Laura Lee Craker, she sets a 1,000 word limit a day. And so she's she goes and she doesn't know what she's going to write about all the time. And it's not necessarily for a book, but she says, I want to be writing 1,000 words a day. And she, what she said in this podcast, you can go back and listen to it, is that often those 1,000 words turn into 15 or 2,000. Sometimes she struggles to get to 1,000, but some really good thinking happens in those moments when she's struggling to get those 1000 words down. So even if you don't use all those words, your thinking is progressing. So again, develop a weekly habit, develop a daily habit, pencil it in. And then as one of our road trippers says, show up for that, just like you would for an appointment with your doctor or your kid's soccer game. Don't put it aside and think it will happen tomorrow because it probably won't. 
Yes, honor that time on the calendar like you would a dinner date with a friend. The other thing is, I think instead of making a big habit, make it a, a tiny habit. There was a book several years ago called Tiny Habits, but maybe the tiny habit is that I'm going to write only once a week for 15 minutes on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Try it once, you know, then try it again. And even tiny habits, in, in some sense, my tiny habit of watching one less episode a night, that's kind of a tiny habit, right? It's not a huge thing. It's just getting up off the couch after you've watched one episode and doing something else. And over time, you can build that habit into something that becomes routine for you. So I love this idea. I do think at some point you do need some form of discipline, some form of schedule, even if it's very, very tiny. Any kind of tiny habit over time really builds and 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 you make enormous progress just through these tiny little uh, behaviors and habits. It's just those little tiny steps that over time really add up to something significant. That's great. All right. So what is our next point uh, for how to start writing? I would say this is an essential component of, of writing, and that is join a writing or accountability group. I just started working out at Orange Theory, which is a boutique gym, and there's something about paying good money for a service and lots of these accountability groups, writing groups, you do pay a small fee. But when you when you pay, you have some skin in the game and you show up and you need to show up to make progress to get the most out of that accountability group or that writing group. And so I would say it's worth your money to, to spend a little money on a writing group or an accountability group. And it's also just so great to not do the journey alone. You realize that there are other people who are struggling with the exact same thing you are or are maybe have worked through the struggle that you're trying to work through now and have some real insight about how to make progress forward. So I think there is such power in finding people to come alongside you in the book writing journey. And really, if you have to pay for it, I think you'll find that there's benefit in that. Sometimes all you can do is show up. I'm sure there are days when you go to Orange Theory it's not that great. You showed up. We have this phrase, uh, win the day. We got this also from the same motivational speaker that told us, I can, I will, I believe. But it's sometimes all you do to win the day is to just show up. You didn't write in preparation for that group. You have nothing to contribute that day, but you showed up. And by showing up, you have won the day. And that behavior over time just adds up again. And so I, I agree with this, a writing or accountability group. I used to work out out and with a group of guys, like I think there was three or four of us. So we would hire a personal trainer and then we do either half hour or hour workouts and we'd rotate through the different stations. And But there was something about knowing that they're expecting me to be there because I tell you what, at 5 a.m. in the morning when I had to get up, I was thinking, I'm going to make an excuse and tell them that I had something I couldn't do it. But I was, I kept being forced to get up. So the accountability is really, really important. I am always so amazed the breakthroughs that happen at Road Trippers. And we always come away just so excited that people have been supported so meaningfully by other people and have had these breakthroughs and they're so energized to move forward and to try something new or to make that time on the calendar and honor it, like we talked about previously. So I believe so much in the power of accountability and being in relationship as you're going through the writing journey. It's invaluable. 
Is this our final tip? Oh no, it's our penultimate tip. <laughs> you want to you want to share this one? So this is a corollary to the previous one, but to take an online writing class or an introduction to creative writing or nonfiction writing, or if you want to write fiction, just take a simple introductory class. The internet is just filled with these kinds of resources. Absolutely filled with these kinds of resources. So just do it. Do a small one. Don't do a semester at a local you know, junior college or at the local college, do a really small online class. And you'll be amazed at how much progress you made. There'll be one or two insights that adds to your momentum that over time, again, will really add up and really make a big difference. I think we're living in such an exciting age, the digital age, where information is so fluid and so accessible that you really can learn anything. You don't need that classroom setting. I mean, the classroom setting has its place, I know, but you really can find any information and any class, any workshop to help you with anything right now. And it's such a gift. And just as Dave said, search the internet, use Google. There are so many workshops out there. You could Google course, you could Google workshop. And there's just so many, there are so many. So our final point, and this is actually a corollary to the one you said earlier, which uh, which was start small. You talked about writing uh, an Instagram post, but I thought it was important that we talk about this again, which is start a blog or start something that is different in kind than an entire book. Sometimes people have this urge to write and desire to write, and they've never written before. And so because of that, that becomes very, very difficult to consider writing a book. And it's so overwhelming, and it is overwhelming. I mean, it's a lot of work. So maybe the one quick step would be to write an article for your church newsletter or for the homeless shelter that you're working for, its volunteers, or to start a blog, or to to write for some other publication, just to start really, really, really small, but to start something different than say a book. And a book is just a big, hairy undertaking and you can do it. And, but if you have a little bit of experience in some other area, then that would be really beneficial to help you because you'll start to understand how long something will take and, and, and you'll be able to persist. Yeah, absolutely. We just spoke with a road tripper yesterday who I think wants to write a book, but he doesn't know exactly what that book will be. And I don't know if he has the passion quite yet to devote himself to it, but we were talking with him about this idea he has. And I think you were the one who said, you should really pitch that as an article to a, a publication. And he got really excited about that. And so Again, I think it is about breaking it down into something smaller and maybe something from that one article that you write will lead to something that correlates to that idea. And you, you suddenly you have like ideas for, for a book. So there's such benefit to starting small and just the practice that you get, like you said, from writing and learning how long something takes and how to develop an idea. I think that that's really hard for people to write long form and develop an idea. So I think if you do some blog blogging or some article writing, that's really going to help you with chapter writing. Absolutely. That's such a great point, Dave. You also will know after you write a blog post or write an article for some online publication or newsletter, once you do that once or twice or three times, you'll really discover whether you even want to continue to write. And there will be some people who will do something like that and they'll say, whoa, all right, did that, don't need to do that again. Right. But then there will be others of you that go, wow, 
I, I had this other idea and it's for long form. It's for a book. And I want to, I want to, I want to continue doing this. Don't start out thinking about a book, just start out writing and thinking about ideas and developing your voice and developing the craft of writing. Great place to start. All right. Well, there's enough tips there, I think, for us to, uh, <laughs> for anyone to get going. This has motivated me. I'm thinking, all right, I got to get back to writing uh, this book idea I'm working on, which is, you know, I've been working on it for years, but uh, all of a sudden I have more motivation. Yeah, I do too. Absolutely. We, we motivate each other, Dave. If nobody else listens, at least we're motivating each other. <laughs> All right, let's turn to our words of the episode. And I found this fun word. I often think of words and the way that they sound. I, I'm drawn to words if they have kind of a lyric quality to them or the assonance or cog- consonants. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm drawn to words that sound a certain way. And so I came across this word, it's called tussy mussy, and it's a small bunch of flowers or herbs. And that is assonance and consonants, I think, tussy mussy. Tussy mussy is also a nosegay. So it's a really tight little bouquet and kind of like a cone. And I found this to be so interesting. During the Victorian era, tussy mussies were carried close to the nose to ward off the stench in the streets of the plague and bodies that were decomposing and no sanitation. So oh they would my. take these tussy mussies with them and kind of hold them close to their nose. And that would, would be like a, an air freshener that you would take along with you. But they are also sent as a declaration of undying love. So I found this quote from an article that I thought was good. Coronavirus has ravaged the globe, killing more than 100,000 people and infecting over 2 million. We don't leave our homes without wearing a face mask and surgical gloves. During the Victorian area, gloves and a hat were common accessories for men and women when they went outside. But to ward off disease and the plague, they often wore a nosegay or a tussie-mussie. I, yeah. Again, I have never heard of that word. You have now, again, come up with a word that I've never heard of, or it's almost two words, tussie-mussie. I, I love it because I create lots of bouquets, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. I'm going to go create a tussie-mussie. It's just a fun word to say. I mean, how can you not feel happy? Nuts. I mean, when you say that word, it's just a fun word to say. Your quote, actually, they said has ravaged the globe killing more than 100,000 people. That must have been a quote early on in the coronavirus. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's an older, <laughs> an older quote. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So my word of the episode is abyssal, A-B-Y-S-S-A-L, abyssal, relating to or denoting the depths or bed of the ocean, especially between 10,000 and 20,000 feet or 3,000, 6,000 meters down. So it's about these depths, these abyssal depths. So here's here's the quote. It comes from Annie Dillard's book, For the Time Being. And so this is the first, I'm going to give you several sentences to kind of give you some context. Sand plunges, sandstone plates subduct. They tilt as if stricken and die under crusts. At abyssal depths, the earth's weight presses out of their water, heat and weight burst their molecules, and sandstone changes into quartzite. That is a lot of, she's, she is a dense writer. She is a dense writer. She's almost all of her prose is one part poet, and yeah. it's, it is dense. Let me just say that first couple sentence. Sandstone plunges, sandstone plates subduct. They tilt as if stricken and die under crusts. At abyssal depths, the earth's weight 
presses out their water, heat and weight, burst their molecules, and sandstone changes into quartzite. It's so interesting to me because she uses so many strong action words and verbs in those first two sentences. And then in the last sentence, she uses the word changes, which is a very simple word. So it's so interesting. All these other words are talking about transformation. And then she uses the very simple word change to talk about everything that she's been so poetically describing up until that point. I love it. Annie Dillard. I've I've read everything that she's written, I think. And I think she's really sick right now. She's older. She's a older baby boomer. And and I and she may be even dying. I don't know. But I haven't she hasn't I haven't read anything from her in a long time. She hasn't published anything. Hmm. But she is one of those people like a Mary Oliver, like a Cormac McCarthy, like a Rick Bass that I have just read and, and Wallace Stegner that I've read everything or as much as I can of them. Because once you get hooked on one of their books and you start to read them and you, you start to love what they do and, and you just can't wait for the next book. It's like the next episode, right? Or the next <laughs> the next season, right? Of something. Right. So that's how I feel about Annie Dillard. I do want to say something about the word abyssal. I think that that is often confused with the word abysmal, and they're very similar in meaning. I was looking it up just as you were saying, I'm like, is this correct? But abysmal is extremely bad or appalling, and then the literary is very deep. Waterfalls that plunge into abysmal depth. So interesting. I don't think I've ever used the word abyssal, but I've often use the word abysmal, and they're kind of related. They are related. Abyssal and abysmal. Yeah, a little bit different. All right, Dave, how about you tell us about what's happening on our website, what people can do and find? We do a weekly email that has to do with writing. And so it'll be some tips. Sometimes we've done some something on memoirs. We've done something on flashbacks. We've done something on how to write dialogue, how to create story intention. So it's just a real practical, simple, it's not more than 150, 200 words. It's just simple email. So you can sign up on the website. You can also take our quiz. If you go to the the tab at the top, it says take the quiz and or take our quiz. Just click on that and take our writing quiz. If you have an idea for a book, it will help you sharpen the idea and you get a free download, a free activity that helps you really, really focus that idea in a crisp way that will really help you make faster progress in your writing. I would love it if you all went and just explored a little bit and see where you are at in your journey. We love to help writers identify that and also get started. We hope these tips helped you today. And maybe I'll go make a tussie mussy for the weekend. What are you <laughs> What are you planning for the weekend, Dave? <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of housework, so no tussie mussies for me. No tussie mussies for you. All right. <laughs> So that's another episode of the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. We're glad you joined us. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write.